Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is Wonderful. Back in the saddle. Back in the cockpit of the jet we call Wonderful, a show where we talk about things that we like that's good we're into. Sorry about last week. It was my bad. I um, mean, we put up an episode. Yeah, but it wasn't, it was, you know, the people who were at that live show in Raleigh, beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, they already got it, you know? Yeah, it's and true. I want to make sure that we're serving the whole crowd. I don't want to leave any city out in the cold. Okay. Like our poor friends in Raleigh who had to hear the same thing two two weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, But I literally couldn't speak, which was a new a new experience yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, very raspy. Yeah. Griffin, Griffin usually gets like an achiness when he's sick, but his voice maybe one day is kind of rough, but this yeah. time. I did a lot of recording myself singing different songs. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. I did one of Wheels on the Bus while I was singing it to Gus, and it was <laughs> like a low, haunting, um, just sort of like monastic sort of chant. <laughs> Uh, it was, uh, I was literally sending people voice messages on my phone <laughs> of me singing different songs just because it was, it was an unbelievable register that I did not know my, yeah. my vocal cords when sort of afflicted in the way that they were could, could produce. That's kind of fun for you, I think. It was really fun. I miss it. I actually wish I had not gotten healthy. Um, <laughs> it impact, I didn't record fuck all last week yeah. uh, because I couldn't, you know, speak for long periods of time. You've got so much swearing built up. I do. I do. Well, uh, I wrote a lot of swears down. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do you have any small wonders? Um, bear season two. Bear season two. Real, real sexy food in this one. Holy shit! Yeah, they're they're going really hard on the sexy food in this one. Griffin and I made a shared decision to reduce our snacking in the evening. At the same time, we made a decision to watch a season of Top Chef and The Bear. Yeah, which has been challenging. But I mean, okay, but the the you know we're not uh we're not having snacks of shiso gelée. Uh, right is uh-huh. like so. When I see somebody making a delicious shiso gelée, uh, <laughs> I don't think like boy howdy that you know old box of Sour Patch Kids <laughs> that we have in the pantry is really calling my name. That's not true. It is always calling my That's name. That's very true. Um, but yeah, oh yeah, it's good. It's good. It's it's got big. Um, even more than the first season, just like Chicago. It's Chicago porn in the way that it is also yeah. food porn. Uh, just a lot, a lot of uh, beautiful B-roll. We're only about halfway through the season. Yeah. So it's, it's, as I always like to say, it's possible there's a dive here and we don't know about it yet. I doubt it. I trust, I trust this show. Maybe there's some murders. We don't know. Okay. I guess so. That I'm would just be saying, a wild twist. That would um, that would, and, and and people would maybe leave the season thinking like, "Well, I watch for the cooking." Yeah, and then all these <laughs> these murders came in. Um, <laughs> did we talk about Siren? I think so. I think we. I think we might have talked about probably. Uh, we finished it. Uh, that yeah. show beats ass. I got. I uh, evangelized really fiercely on Besties this morning, so it like got me all <laughs> fired up to talk about Siren again. Was where none of the other guys watching it? Uh, I mean, Justin uh, oh, had, okay. had watched it, but Russ and Plant had not heard of it. Brief oh. reminder: it's uh, it's Battle Royale, capture the flag with uh, six teams of different professions and yeah uh, different different just uh, four women in each team just like fucking battling it out it is some of the best made reality television i think i've maybe ever seen from a like just a plotting standpoint and yeah. a cinematography standpoint it is a staggering 
I can't even imagine how many like camera crew members they had. Yeah. Just thinking about the terrain and the number of times that people would split off. Yeah. So many amazing shots. I I don't uh, remember reality television shows for their like, for the cinematography, but there are so many things. Uh, I remember this one shot in one episode that just shows uh, this whole team walking leisurely down a hill going to the market to buy something. (laughs) And then they walk off frame off the right side of the screen. And then boom, this air raid siren goes off that marks the start of the battle. And then just like there's a beat where there's nothing. And then all of them just go fucking booking right back up the hill (laughs) in the same shot. It is so good. It's so good. Uh, I've yeah, I've never been sadder to be finished with a reality show than we than than I was with that one. But gotta man. assume that one's coming back. I pray to God. I they feel end, like they, they end it with something. like this kind of like <laughs> hilarious cliffhanger. I don't know if it's really a cliffhanger or if it was just kind of a fun way for the audience to end the show. But yeah. they end it as kind of like a did they win? Yeah, question mark? it's it, <laughs> it. Y'all watch this fucking show. I cannot. It is it is the wonderful seal of approval. Uh, <laughs> as as hard as we can, stamp that down on something. Oh, by the way, wonderful.fyi has been updated. I, I don't saw know if that. Thank that. you so much. I I don't know who is running that, but it really is an invaluable resource for us. So yeah, we you. we had kind of gotten used to it not being uh, where we were, and now it is, and it's tremendous. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, whoever does that. Um, you go first this week. We've arbitrarily decided. What do you got? Um, okay, so my wonderful thing this week. Originally, I had told you I was going to take a leftover uh, from the rally show, but I decided yes. against it to talk uh, about something a little bit sciency, which is oh. when food gets brown. When food gets brown, you like this. Mm-hmm. When it, okay, but from our friend Heat or from our friend Decay? Heat. Okay. <laughs> you know, I thought maybe you were talking, like when an uh, apple gets brown, I don't like that. Yeah, no, I'm so goth. <laughs> you like it when the f- food gets hot and turns brown. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. I was thinking about this because this is a skill I feel like you really have. I like to make the food get brown from heat. Yeah, I'm for sure. very tentative when I'm, especially when I'm on the stovetop and also when I'm in the oven. I tend to get impatient or I worry that I'm going to go too hard. Yes. So my temperatures are too low or I stop cooking too early. Right. But you, man, I'm I really impressed learned, with your brownness. I genuinely feel like it was when, in the peak of when we were like, uh, and by we, I mean the country was like swept up in Bon Appetit fever. Uh, and there was that one dude that always described cooking things in a pan that he called ripping hot that really sort of like <laughs> pushed through the idea in my head that like that that pan needs to be really fucking hot before you put meat yeah. in it. Um, and since then, like it's it's it really changed the game for me. No, it's true. Uh, and I found out there is a sciency way of talking about this, which is the Maillard reaction. The Maillard? Maillard? Yes. Yes, I mean it's it's French, so it's M A I L L A R D. My old. There you go. <laughs> My old. Magnifique. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so well, first I went to America's Test Kitchen to find out why it tastes better uh, when the food is brown. Yeah. Uh, and so there are proteins in our taste bud that are temperature sensitive. Okay. So the taste buds just perform better at warm temperatures. So if food is cooked to 59 degrees and below these taste buds, like the channels in them barely open. Okay. When it is heated to 98.5 degrees or hotter, these channels open and the sensitivity increases more than a hundred times. Counterpoint, ice cream, 
very cold, but I taste it really good, like really strong. Here's here's America's Test's kitchen recommendation is that if you're going to serve a dish chilled, make sure that it is aggressively seasoned. So, you know, ice cream, super sweet, a lot okay. of flavor there. So I think it makes up for the lack of That's heat. interesting. So mm-hmm. I need to turn it up, like when I'm making my cold gazpacho, I should I should I should spice it exactly up even a little bit more. Okay. Gazpacho is the exact example that America's Test Kitchen gives. Well, there's not a lot of cold dinners yeah. that are no, that's true that that people talk about. Gazpacho is kind of the the main game in town. Uh, the other thing, and this is where uh, Mayard comes in, is that um, when food is cooked, it is easier to inhale. Uh, what they call microscopic molecules that are diffused from food. So the hotter the food, the more energetic these molecules are, and the more they are likely to travel to okay. our nose. That makes sense. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of it's kind of like I'm vaping the beef, <laughs> vaping the pork in the pan. Uh huh. That's cool. You know, before vapes, we did. We I mean, we did still take in smell. Sure, sure, but and, we have a we have a we have more language for it now, <laughs> like vape. The vocabulary has has changed and improved. I would say uh-huh. Uh-huh. we can be more specific in what we say mm-hmm. um, when we talk when we talk about food because of things like vape. Yeah, yeah, and all the language that comes with it, which is pretty much exclusively Rip, cotton vape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a high concept restaurant that has done like a? vape menu like you know how there's like you know oh the, they put the little cloche over it and like a, a cloche and then flavor like, obviously like we have like smoke and steam and like all that that yeah like really figure that. but i'm talking about like you know you pull it up and there's just like a little you know pin there and then you're like <laughs> what the fuck is this and then they can be like it's you know eggs florentine or whatever and you're like, wow oh yeah I mean, there are probably restaurants that do something like that. I don't know if they'd put an actual vape pen on a tray, but okay. <laughs> I bet that exists. I bet you. I bet you. I'm not joking uh-huh. right now. Okay. Okay. So the Maillard reaction is named after a French chemist uh, who talks about you know when food turns brown. <laughs> uh, there is a chemical reaction that takes place. Uh, the sugars and amino acids in the food react with the heat and produce complex molecules. Uh, and these molecules are responsible for aromas and flavors. Uh, you do have to be careful with this because if you go too far, another yeah. reaction occurs called paralysis. P Y R O paralysis. Paralysis. Okay. Which is when it turns black and right. gets bitter. Yeah. So there. So there's Maillard. What I was just talking about. There is another chemist in 1953 named John Hodge who worked at the Man. U.S. Department of Agriculture, not just Hodge. I bet he had a mustache. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, so he kind of understood the like distinct periods within the Maillard reaction to kind of really uh, make your cooking very precise. Okay. So that first there is a group of sugar that reacts with an amino group uh, to produce water and unstable glucosamine. Oh, wow. Which makes sense. You you notice a lot of times when you cook something, there's like moisture that comes out of it. Yeah. You know? That's another trick to get that food real brown is you got to dry it out a little bit before you toss it down on the pan. Uh, this glucosamine uh, produces a series of other compounds. And then 
Um, the last is a group of molecules that include the flavor, aroma, color. Great. So this is this is to to your expertise. I'm saying, like a lot of times, I don't get to that last stage. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, it looks like a mic book. I and push it I to stop. the limit. Yeah. yeah it's, no, it's true. Uh, um, it's a, a you know, I'm a risk taker. <laughs> I don't think I've ever burned meat before. I can't remember a time where I have burned meat. I have. I have. I dramatically under undercooked. Like I have <laughs> produced a lot of gray meals, but I have not produced a lot of just like charred, blackened sort of briquettes. Yeah, no, I will say that you set off the smoke alarm quite a bit. We have a we have a fucking feisty <laughs> smoke alarm though. I took some um, French fries out of the toaster, like a toaster oven, that set off the smoke alarm. They were not burning. They were not, they were just sort of steam. They were giving off their potato steam, their potato vape. And that was enough to like <laughs> yeah. set it off. So, yeah. I mean, usually I will say what it is is you get that pan real hot and oh, then yeah, you I drop do. something in and yeah, then, yeah. You know, I love that's... it. That's how you know you're fucking cooking, baby. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> there are workarounds, which I didn't realize. And this, again, I think is from, or no, this was a video I watched about that reaction. That you can add baking soda to onions, for example, which increases the pH and will make them brown faster. That's interesting. So I have like, a real problem getting onions to brown. I'm not going to caramelizing onions. I know. Well, it's, this isn't even caramelizing. This is just browning. Okay. I mean. I'm just, I want to be. Okay. But it's the same. For uh, That's the same thing, right? Is there a difference between browning well, onions and Well, caramelizing caram is when there's like sugars involved. Okay. You know? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Um, I will say, so the little video I watched about this reaction said that it typically happens between 230 and 340 degrees. That's a huge range. I know. Like, that's that's <laughs> wild. I think it's like how long you stay at that temperature. Okay. That makes sense. From my brief foray into, can into hard candy making, I was always sort of dazzled by the like... Speci hyper specific yeah. like if you want it at hard hardball it's got to be like exactly 145 or whatever probably much much higher than that and if you get it up to 147 you fucking destroyed it and the pan yeah. and the oven on which it was cooked and the spoon that was in there that's done it uh, is it is easy when cooking to kind of forget the science behind it, like particularly if you get in the habit of making substitutions. Yeah. Um, I have started trying to infuse more bran into our children, and I have just been adding bran willy-nilly to various types of muffins. And these muffins are not rising particularly well anymore because no. uh, the whole texture and the science is off. So but I like it. I like I like, you like a, a dense, I like a dense moist muffin. Whenever I watch Bake Off and they are like, "This is stodgy," I in my head I always go, "That's good." Like I kind of <laughs> like it to be sort of thick and stick, you know, sticky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we should stop. We should stop, shouldn't we? <laughs> Can I steal you away? Yes. Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We We got got this. this. We got this. They can be anywhere, at your office, in your car, and they are wrong. My mom says that the gray house didn't exist, but she's wrong. He just does it wrong. Someone in your life is wrong about something. Something small, something weird, something vitally important. Only one person has the courage to tell them just how wrong they are. You know what you did was wrong, but your daughter is a liar who eats garbage. (laughs) (laughs) They call me Judge John Hodgman. Listen to me on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. If someone in your life is doing you wrong, don't just take it. Take it to court. Submit your case at MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Um, for my topic, I want to talk about yesterday. Uh, we went to a 4th of July block party in our neighborhood. Okay. Um, where we only knew like a couple of, of, of people. Yeah. Uh, I am never particularly confident 
in those kinds of situations, and this situation was no different. Uh, we did have children, which is helpful sometimes, I think, because you can be like, hey, look at that kid doing that thing. Like you have a shared yeah. f- investment in a young person. Absolutely. That definitely helps. But what helps more is when I saw a bunch of wooden blocks and sticks getting busted out. Coop. Yeah, I was um, so excited for you because I saw these people reading the instructions and I was like, oh, oh you, you they could use some help. Children. Yes. So Coop, I, I believe I've talked about on the show before in a segment that I did about bowling uh, because, you know, there there is definitely a uh, there is a similarity there in the games that uh, bowling has kind of inspired and been inspired by like Skittles. Uh, different sort of lawn-based uh, experiences. Uh, I think Coob is probably my all-time favorite yard game, or maybe tied with Croquet, which I know I've also talked about on the show before, uh, both of which we used to play with our buddies back in Austin before you know we had kids. Uh, but I, I saw people playing, getting ready to play Coob at this, uh, at this block party, and I was like, hell yes, I'm in. This is a great social game. Couldn't be easier to just walk up, pick up a stick, and start throwing it at other pieces of wood. Uh-huh. Um, so the basic rules of Kube, and again, I apologize if I'm restating some of this stuff from when I uh, did, did a whole thing on bowling, but you mark out a big rectangular playing field. It's five meters wide by eight meters long. I have no idea yeah. how long that is in sort of mm-hmm. my own sort of spatial journey. This is like when we play croquet and it's like there's a very specific process for placing the wickets. I never really no, know. No, we just kind of freestyle it because it's all, you know, it's all it's still croquet. Uh, so I, on this big rectangular field on the far sides, you have two teams. Each one places their five cubes, which are these sort of thick rectangular wooden blocks. And those are the targets that the other team is trying to knock down with the uh, batons that they throw. Well, wooden dowel rods, basically, that you toss down the field trying to knock down these bigger blocks uh, on the far side. Uh, so each round, a team throws their six batons toward the other team's cubes trying to knock them all down. And the the point of the game is once you've knocked down all five of the other team's sort of back line of cubes, you try to knock over the kingpin, which is a much bigger sort of wooden block that is right at the very center of the field. And it works sort of like eight ball rules in pool, where if you knock down the king before you have taken out all yeah. the other cubes, you instantly lose, which did happen yesterday. Fortunately, not to me. I was not the one who ran afoul of that. <laughs> I didn't know that many people there, and that would have been a very humiliating experience for me. <laughs> Fortunately, I was not the one who made a big stink there. I heard um, a lot of like loud shouts. Is that was was it related? That was to that? probably related to the the great the grand failure that took place uh, on on my team. Um, so where the game gets really interesting is between each round, uh, a team has to pick up their toppled cubes. Uh, and throw them onto the opponent's side of the field. Uh, and from that point, they stand up, and then those are called field cubes. And you have to knock those down before yeah. you can go after the back line. Um, so if you fail to do that, if you leave any of the field cubes out, and then it's the other team's turn, they get to throw from the closest field cube. So all of a sudden, like they get this huge advantage because they're not having to throw from the very back of the field. They could throw from you know right behind the king potentially, and have just like a really sweet spot. So the games have this like momentum that is uh, they they have this push and pull to them that 
it really sort of defines the game in my opinion like it makes it gives it the feel that it has and gives it the either sort of steamroll powerhouse effect yeah. that you feel if you're like crushing it or uh incredible come from behind victories yeah. if you manage to you know completely clean out the field yeah. uh, and and completely demolish your opponent's advantage and then start clawing your way back um, there's also like different tactics and how you set up the field coops. Like maybe you want to throw them really, really close to the front line so that they're easier for you to knock over when you're targeting them. But taking a bigger risk is if you don't knock them over, all of a sudden your opponent is going to be, th- be able to throw from much, much, much closer up. Mm. There's also fun stuff. I think this may be a house rule that I've always played with, but uh, whenever you're throwing one of your toppled cubes over to turn it into a field cube, if you knock over another field cube, you stack them up. So you yeah. just kind of want to try and group them up so you can try and knock over maybe even a few of the field cubes with a single toss of one of your batons. Um, it That's like it. That's like pretty much all the rules that there are in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's maybe a little bit hard to uh, sort of spatially imagine this, uh, but it is it is the type of game where you play it for, where you play one round and you get it. Like it completely yeah. makes sense like what it is that you are doing in this game. Uh, it feels great. It feels really, <laughs> really good. The batons have like a really nice weight to them. And when you can like really just snipe yeah. something from really, really far away, it makes a really satisfying wooden clonk sound yeah. that it hits just so right every time. I'm smiling because I'm thinking about when we were leaving, Gus just ran up and picked one up and, and threw, threw it to the ground. And all the adults like cheered like, oh, yeah. Um <laughs> It is, it's really easy to set up. It's really easy to understand. It's easy to play. It's just a treat of a game, especially in like a big group social setting like like uh, the, the block party we went to. Because yeah. you can really play with as many people as you want, right? Like mm-hmm. you could play with six people on a team, each person throwing one baton or, you know, you know, you could just pass the batons around. Like it is so loosey-goosey. It really, it really, you can play it however you yeah. want Yeah, and it's, it. it's a good like chit-chat game. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great shit checking, great drinking game because yeah. you only need the one hand to toss the <laughs> yeah. toss the batons. Um, it's it's uh, it's great. So th- there are a lot of forebears to Kube throughout history. Uh, it, it has its origins mostly in Sweden and uh, Gotland, which is an island off of Sweden's coast in the Baltic Sea. Uh, and it was in Gotland that in 1931, there was an etymologist who noted the first use of the name Kube for the game. Um, but there have been games throughout history, like dating back to the 16th century of people, you know, throwing wooden balls at uh, pins in a big, big field. Can um, you spell how? how you- K-U-B-B okay. is how you spell Kube. Um, for the past like decade or so, it started to become like much more popular in North America. Uh, there's a city in Wisconsin called Eau Claire that has hosted the National Kube Championship since 2007 and named itself the uh, American <laughs> capital for Kube in 2013, I believe. Uh, there are different Kube leagues that have popped up. There's seven major Kube leagues, uh, mostly centered around the Midwest, like Wisconsin and Minnesota have their, their own sort of uh, Kube leagues. Uh, and I, I don't know. I feel like I went from not hearing anything about this game, not knowing anything about this game, uh, playing it for the first time in Austin, you know, maybe six or so years ago. And now a lot of people I, I feel like know about Koob, uh, partially because like big, uh, you know, outdoor hangs became a bit more common in the yeah, times of COVID. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Um, and the fact that like Kube sets are pretty inexpensive compared to like, you know, you buy a nice cornhole board and the thing that's, you know, the, the bags that's cost. How much is a cornhole? 500, $600. <laughs> um, but this Kube is just some wooden blocks, right? Like yeah. it's, it is not that, uh, the barrier of entry is pretty low and you can yeah. play it more or less anywhere. Um, yeah, that, that's Kube. I, uh, I really like this game a whole bunch and it still feels like a thing that not everybody knows about and is like, I, it is, I, I'm mostly bringing this because it surprised me how excited I got <laughs> when I saw some people busting out the Kube set. Cause I haven't yeah. played it in, in a couple of years yeah. uh, and I was very, very rusty. I didn't do like an incredible job, uh, but I still just like seeing this game got me so stoked and made me realize like, just how badly I missed sort of playing it with a with a group of buddies yeah. uh, with with some you know some brewskis on the side. Yeah, I came like my my college experience. There were not a lot of games involved. Like yeah. we would just kind of sit around and talk and drink. Oh God! And it's amazing how much more fun you can have if there is a game. Yeah, it's a it's a. I think having a having a diversion reduces a lot of the like societal pressure to like hang yeah that that, uh that that i think a lot of people feel i don't even think you have to be particularly introverted to when you're like in a big group setting talking to a lot of people and trying to keep the conversation going um the the pressure that you feel to like keep that going and not you know run afoul of any kind of like social norms or anything like that like it can be it can be a lot especially if you are an introverted person but having like a thing you're doing while you yeah. talk oh my god that's the best shit ever uh-huh. this is why i you know beer pong was the the kind of craze that it was uh yeah. certainly when i was in college uh and i don't know i feel like kube is sort of in that grand tradition of just it doesn't take a ton of mental like uh you don't have to be particularly locked in uh your interactions with the game are very brief and there's windows of time where you're not you know throwing a stick and so then you talk in that those yeah there's like skill involved but there's not so much that's like a barrier to entry like you can luck out yeah sure um so that's cool get there I, i a lot of people when i was googling it apparently virginia and maryland have like Pretty big Coob communities, so um, you know. Coob. I don't think there's a portmanteau there that Coob communities. You still t- tried it though, and I really love that about you. <laughs> um, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. This is a good one. If you want to send in your small wonder, just uh, shoot us an email at wonderfulpodcast at gmail dot com. There's so much spam we get in that email account, and so it, your your uh, submissions are much appreciated to sort of change the signal to noise ratio uh-huh. a little bit. Keep it keep it brief. We just do want you know one or two sentences about your thing. Uh, here's one from Trin who says, "My small wonder is making your own soup." As someone who is not the biggest fan of celery, a very common soups ingredient, it is wonderful to make your own soup and thoroughly enjoy every ingredient. Making something in a big, big pot also feels very cool. I love this phenomenon. I have food categories that I don't necessarily enjoy or seek out, but when I cook it and I know (laughs) what happened to it, for whatever reason, it unlocks that gate in my mind. And yeah, it's like, this is why I started making chicken pot pie because Griffin is not a fan of peas and I could make it without hate peas. peas. Despise peas. But in a chicken pot pie, I will eat most of them. But not all, it's not my favorite part of the, it's still my least favorite part <laughs> of the chicken pot pie. 
Um, Jess says, my small wonder is people thinking of you, whether that be vocally like this reminded me of you or friends slash family tagging you and things online, especially post pandemic. Most of my communication has relied on being in online spaces and opening my phone to see notifications where I've been tagged in things or people have sent me links to things, no matter how big or small always makes my day. Yeah. I always do this to our friend, Anna. Yeah. If I see something that just like gives me a real vibe of her, yes. I will send it to her. Anna of uh, wonderful podcast fame. Yeah. Uh, our, uh, our third love episode. Third love episode. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. She loves a llama. Sure. You know, and she loves a good reference to Frasier. Absolutely. <laughs> and so when Rachel finds like a great TikTok with Frasiers and llamas in it, um, that, that gets sent right down the pipeline. Uh-huh. Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Check out all the great shows that they have there and just sort of vibe with them, vibe on them. In the McElroy merch section yes, of McElroy.family or however you want to get there, there is a Poetry Corner candle. There is a new Poetry Corner candle. It uh, It is you – know, I'm going to pull it up now so I can pull up the – Description. The profile? Yeah, the, the scent profile. Mm-hmm. com is the website, by the way, that you can go to. There is a, a new Appalachian Workshop candle and a Poetry Corner candle. Uh, the scent is uh, ozone, jasmine, leather, patchouli, sandalwood, tonka bean, amber, dark musk, light musk powder. Fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, fragrance oils infused with essential oils, 100% American-grown soy wax. Oh, my God. You are going to love it. I guarantee it. Uh, yeah, that's at MacRoyMerch.com. And we have a bunch of other stuff there. That's it. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Thanks um, to Raleigh for being so warm and welcoming. This word, I always Raleigh. heard Raleigh. And, but you're saying it rally, which is like the short A sound is <laughs> usually my kind of domain. Can I tell you, I didn't really, th- it just came out of my mouth. I didn't really think about if that was the way to pronounce it or not. Ra- I like Raleigh. I mean, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure it's one of those things that people living in Raleigh or Raleigh don't. They're like, whatever, man. It's, it's like probably pizza. Raleigh. It's I all think, good, man. I think you're right. It's They're probably all, Raleigh. No, man, do not worry about it. I said Raleigh when talking to them during the live shows, and they seem to not say anything or <laughs> boo me or yell yeah. at me. Um, uh-huh. Anyway, I, it was a fun show, and I had a good time, and, and thank you. Yeah, I also had a great time in Richmond. Um, <laughs> Bazinga! Okay. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.